Every once in a while on a Friday, I will throw this down. This being a DECA, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to Friday. Well, at least the Friday episode of the Jim Rome radio program. What's going on? Nice to have you here. All right, so my advice to you, my advice to you, not shut up, but my advice to you is come strong. It's Friday. Leave it all out there. My best advice to you, shut up. Shut up. I'm not saying that. My best advice to you, get on the phone. My best advice to you, get on the X. My best advice to you, get on the email. My best advice to you, get on the air any way you can. Hit me up. We're here for it. All right, let me start you off. Telephone number is toll free. I do have an interview coming on the next segment, something we generally do not do. However, it is a member of the Texas Rangers. They're going to have their championship parade, so I've got to get this in before that parade starts. In the meantime, your phone number is 1-800-636-8686. Toll free. Use it. Also, hit me up on the X at Jim Rome. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at Habitate.com. The interview's set up like this. Coming up next segment, an outfielder for the world champion Rangers via Zoom, Evan Carter. This guy's an amazing story. He was in double-A ball in August and just had one of the greatest postseasons that a rookie has ever had in the history of the sport. So, Evan Carter, next segment before the parade starts. Top of hour number two. It's a big weekend of NASCAR. They've got their final four, their championship race. Ryan Blaney is one of the final four. He made it in finally after a number of Elite Eight appearances. He finally broke on through, and we'll run him down top of our number two. Top of our number three, the big head, James Kelly. We'll have a segment of big head bets. Actually, we both got over last night. He won a couple of his props. I went with the Steelers. Laid the points. I won. We both won. This is why you want to listen to us. We both won last night. Friday also means there's an ATP. Friday also means there's Alvin's Ionic week that was. Ionic. But most of all, what it should mean is you should get up in here and participate and be a part of it. We start the Friday off the way I normally do by talking about TNF, Thursday Night Football. Look, I'm not going to sit here and act like that was the most thrilling football game ever. Nor am I going to say that the Steelers look like world beaters last night. But I can say this. They didn't look like world beaters, but you can't take away from them the fact that they are 5-3. and three. Somehow, someway, Pittsburgh has the same record as the Niners, which is the same record as the Bills, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to anybody who has ever watched the Steelers this season. Would anybody confuse them with either the Bills or the Niners? No, but they've got the same record. But you don't even have to rely on the eye test here. You can just look at the facts. Let me give you some numbers. Let me give you some facts about the Steelers. Yes, they are 5-3. and three. However, Pittsburgh has been outgained by their opponent in all eight games this year. They're the only team in the league that's been outgained in all eight games so far this season. They've been outgained by a total of 790 yards, and yet somehow they're 5-3. and three. As always, make that make sense. They just became the only team to have a winning record through eight games, despite being outgained in every game since they started tracking rushing and receiving yardage. Since 1993, no team has ever been outgained in eight straight to start the season and come out of that stretch better than 500. Until the Steelers just pulled it off. 
And if you're going to ask me how they're doing this, I don't have the answer. I really do not know. Now, this is normally the part where everybody starts bagging on Matt Nova Scotia. However, today is not a good day for the Matt Canada haters. Don't get it twisted. Matt Saskatchewan has definitely had his fair share of rough days calling plays from his perch up in the coach's box. But I can't say that last night was one of those nights. I can't say that at all. You know why? He actually called a pretty solid game. But more importantly, he wasn't up in the coach's box. For once, the guy was actually down on the sideline. Anyway, Matty Manitoba is a whole different cat, apparently, when he's down on the field, when he's on the sideline, spreading his Canadian wisdom face-to-face. I mean, I know it sounds ridiculous, and it probably is ridiculous. Kind of ridiculous. I mean, if calling plays from the sideline really could make that much of a difference, you would think that they would have tried that a long time ago. Being on the field did not suddenly make him a better play caller. At least, I don't think it did. But for one night, for just one night, Matt British Columbia, prowling the sideline, actually worked out for the offense. How do I know? Deontay Johnson caught a touchdown pass. That's how I know. I mean, somehow, some way, that was his first receiving TD since Big Ben left. Or was it because of Matthew Ontario's sideline presence? Was it that? Was it the law of averages? Was this dude overdue? We'll never know. Maybe it was none of the above. Maybe it was just that the Titans didn't play that well last night. Because the Titans really didn't play that well last night. Even though the rookie QB was pretty solid once again. Will Levis, not nearly as good as he was in his debut on Sunday. But he definitely wasn't bad either. And it's still hard to see exactly what his future holds after only just two starts. But the one thing that's not hard to figure is that freaking cannon that that dude has instead of an arm. That howitzer hanging from this guy's right shoulder. The missile launcher protruding from the right side of his upper torso. I mean, that ball freaking explodes out of this dude's hand. And that's never a bad thing. But as much as there is to like about Levis's two outings so far, that was still a brutal loss. And he had a chance at the end of the game to go win that game, and he ended up throwing a pick in the end zone. So I understand why Mike Vrabel was not exactly in the mood to glorify his young quarterback after that game. We lost, so I'm not going to sit there and glorify that uh, in his performance. But there were some good throws. There was you know, some good protections, close on a couple runs. Third down was, was certainly uh, a large factor in, in this game. As usual, Vrabes is correct. 3 of 13 on third down is not going to get it done. Not on the road, not in prime time, not against the Steelers. And there's not really any point in getting all hyped and all high on a rookie quarterback after a brutal loss like that. A loss that drops the Titans to a disappointing 3-5. and A loss that drops them behind the Texans in the AFC South and into the basement right alongside the Colts. You want to know why Vrabel sounded absolutely miserable after that game? It's because Vrabel was absolutely miserable after that game. Losing sucks. That's why. Especially losing like that. 
Now, saying something sucks, of course, is not a take. Unless you're saying that losing sucks, and then I'll allow it. Because losing absolutely does suck. No, Cal Ripken does not suck. That take sucks. The worst take in the history of the program. As far as Levis, that was only his second career start and the first L that he's taken as a starting quarterback. And even he knows it sucks. Losing sucks, um, especially at this level. You know, it's just so hard to win games. And when you got an opportunity like that to win it at the end, it doesn't happen. It makes it feel a whole lot worse. But, I mean, credit to them. They made the plays when they needed to, and we didn't. Uh, got to get back to work. He's not wrong. Speaking of having a chance at the end, that chance at the end should have never even happened. It only happened because of a soft fourth down holding call against Joey Porter Jr., which extended that game and gave them a chance to rip that game. That call was pretty unfortunate because up until that point, Joey Porter Jr. played a pretty damn good game. JP, JR, made DeAndre Hopkins his problem last night. And he mostly shut down D-Hop. And he did so after doing something that seemed pretty insane at the time. He went to the coaches and said, I want that guy. I want that guy. Let me have number 10. On Tuesday, I went to Coach T and I told him I want 10. Like, that's what I was looking for. You know, I don't, I don't really hide from nothing. So I was like, that's the matchup I want. That's the matchup I need. So he didn't really say yes on Tuesday. He's like, we're going to think about it. Because they were like, that's kind of crazy. But throughout the week, they was like, all right, we're going to let you get 10 on some reps. And then throughout the game, it was like, you just go where 10 at. So the rookie seriously walked right up to Mike Tomlin on Tuesday and said, I want 10. That's the matchup I want. That's the matchup I need. And I would say that I'm shocked, except I'm not. It would only be surprising to somebody who never saw that dude's pop play. When you realize he's got Joey Porter's blood in his veins and his DNA, then it all makes total sense. I want to. When you think about it that way, it would have only been surprising if he didn't volunteer to take on 10. And if he didn't succeed in basically locking him down. That's the matchup I want. That's the matchup I need. Which is not something anybody watching at home said going into that game last night. And it's not something anybody at home said coming out of that game last night. I want to. A grind of a watch, for sure. But that doesn't mean that it was not a big win. A big win for both the Steelers and for the most hated person in Pittsburgh. I bet a lot of you Yinzers are having a pretty good morning right about now. But I know nobody is having a better morning there than Matthew Saskatchewan. So, my man, this is for you, Matt Quebec. You earned it. I want to. Steve's probably thinking I could actually get into my phone for the first time in months. I can actually show my face in public for the first time in months. I can actually leave the house to go somewhere other than the facility. I no longer have to run around town with a mask over my head. Or a paper bag. They got it done. Somehow, someway. And like I said, big night for us. I laid the points. I won. James Kelly wanted the value. He lost. Except he won both prop bets. Win, win, win. And a whole lot more of that a little bit later on. That was one game we picked. Today we'll pick five games. It's another rough NFL weekend. Nothing is easy. All right, so in addition to that, other things I want to talk about. 
James Harden. And listen, this dude is no longer the MVP, at least not on the hardwood, at least not in basketball. But my guy might be the MVP for team content. I mean, the stuff that's coming out of this guy's pie hole is incredible. And he's getting a lot of heat for it this morning, except I'm here to actually hype him. I'm here to glorify it. I'm here to agree with him. He's right. All of you want to rush up in here and kill Harden for saying, I'm not a part of a system. I am a system. Hey, James, I got your back on that one, dude. You are a system. You absolutely are a system. I don't know why people get all up in their feelings over that. What did he say? What did he say that was not true? He's not a part of a system. He is a system. His own system. I agree with him and you'll see why. Dude. And when I say dude, I just mean that collectively to the millions listening and watching. Dude. How about Wemby? How about Wemby? That big fellow ahead of schedule. This guy looks incredible. Nothing lives up to the hype, and this guy's already smashing it. 19 years old. All eyes on this guy, and he is showing up and showing out on the nightly. He had himself another night last night that was amazing. 1-800-636-8686. Let's see what we got here. Hey, Jim. Happy Friday. Hey, Pittsburgh fan. Matt Canada Dry has not directed Pittsburgh to one 400-yard game of total offense. Not freaking one. You will just continue to barely beat bad and average teams until you get some balls and open it up. Signed, Woody Hayes. Scott in Salt Lake. If Woody Hayes thinks that you're three yards in a cloud of dust, you got a problem. At Gage Guriel 87, Romy on the Steelers played just about everybody in their style of football, which is a back alley brawl for good or for bad. And yes, they are outgamed by nearly 1,000 yards, but yards do not matter. They actually do. I'm not saying they're not five and three. I'm saying, how the hell are they five and three? They've been outgained in every single game this season. The reason it matters is they just did something that has never been done in the history of the game. And it's not a good thing. It's a totally inexplicable thing. And you're not going to win anything that matters if that's who you are. And that is who they are. It's kind of mind-blowing. You tell me, what's more amazing? The Rangers not losing a single game on the road in the postseason? Or the Steelers being 5-3 and three despite being outgained in every one of those eight games? It's close. Romeo Void. I want 10. I want 10. I want 10. I want 10. Signed James Larden when ordering donuts. I want 10. Well, you can't get a dozen? Who orders 10? My Mick in the 216. Dear Jim, like Joey Porter Jr., I want 10 as well. I want 10. 10 more children. Signed, Alvy. Dude, dude, no, no. Pat, no, no. At B. Blaine, 69. Hey, Rome, is it possible for at least the second hour to give some props to Wemby? Because soon people will be thinking, is that Wilt? Is that Kareem? Er, that's Wemby. 
a.k.a. Stretch. Happy weekend, brah. Yo, brah, I already mentioned him. He'll get more credit, but I want to make sure that he got credit off the top. The guy is incredible. Absolutely amazing. All right, when we come back, there is a parade this morning. Evan Carter is a phenom. This guy was playing double-A ball in August and had one of the greatest postseasons that a rookie has ever had. He joins us via Zoom when we come back. Gas, groceries, utilities, you name it. The price of everything is going up. And if you're stuck in a bad timeshare with rising maintenance fees, the financial burden can be crushing. It is time to get your finances in order and get the real facts about that timeshare that you think you're stuck in. You might not be. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has been helping families out of terrible timeshares for over 10 years now and has put together a complete timeshare exit information kit that he'll send you absolutely free. To date, over 30,000 families have trusted Wesley Financial Group to help them out of financial hardship by getting them out of their bad timeshares. They might be able to do the same thing for you. To get the facts about how the timeshare industry works and what your options are for cancellation, simply call Wesley right now. Your free timeshare exit kit will be on the way. 800-462-3333. Once again, 800-462-3333. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Welcome back, and once again, a tremendous Friday to you. I am Jim Rome in Southern California. Now, normally, I do not drop an interview in this spot. However, my guest has a parade he's got to get to. So, as promised, we are joined right now by an outfielder for the world champion Texas Rangers. He was selected with the 20th overall pick by the Rangers in the 2020 MLB draft. He's a September call-up where he hit 306 in 23 regular season games, but then in the playoffs went to a totally different level. He hit 317 postseason games with a home run, six runs batted in, and he reached base in all 17 games. His nine doubles were the most ever, most all-time in a single postseason, and he did become the first player in MLB history to have an extra base hit, a walk, and a run scored in each of his first three career postseason games. Of course, I'm talking about Evan Carter. Evan, it is great to have you on the show, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, and I appreciate this visit very much. The championship parade is coming up shortly, but I've got to ask, how would you describe the last 48 hours of your life, and has it all even sunk in yet? Yeah, this has been uh, it's been a whirlwind. Um, ton of fun though. Uh, wouldn't trade it for the world. But listen, this is uh, this is a great day. I mean, the parade's going to be awesome. I can see it out of my hotel window right here. It's packed out there, so it's going to be a ton of fun. I love it. So take me back to August, if you would. You were playing for the Rangers Double A team, the Frisco Rough Riders. I'm kind of curious about your mindset back then. Were you just thinking to myself, I'm going to lock in and do what I have to do every single day, and then the rest will take care of itself? Or maybe were you thinking, I know I can help that big team, and was the possibility of a call-up constantly on your mind? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, the big leagues is the goal for every minor leaguer. You know, you want to get called up, and you want to help the uh, the big league team win. And uh, when that finally did happen, you know, it was a dream come true. But then all of a sudden, you know, you get thrown into a postseason race and, you know, you get actually into the postseason and uh, everything just kind of happened so fast. And winning's winning's all that matters. You know, there's no more, 
development like in the minor leagues. So it, it, was, it was really fun. Evan Carter is joining us. Let me ask you this. I mean, you're only 21. You're just 21, and you were still in double-A ball as recently as August. Yet, as I mentioned, you put together one of the best postseason runs ever by a rookie en route to that world championship. It's all kind of mind-boggling what you did individually. Like, how do you explain that? <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, listen, I mean, there's a ton of people around me that made me feel confident in myself and, you know, comfortable in the locker room and on the field, you know. And that's a credit to all my teammates, you know, a lot of veterans around me pointing me in the right direction. And, you know, fellow rookies like Josh Young and Josh Smith that were just, you know, there for me and, you know, helped me out this year. And uh, the coaching staff, too, was was unbelievable. And, you know, helping me game plan for pitchers. And, you know, I've never faced anybody as good as what big league pitching was. So it was definitely was a... Uh, a step up, but you know, it was, there was a ton of people along the way that helped me. I was just going to say, I mean, you answered this in part, but I was going to say, how were you able to elevate your game on the biggest stage with the highest stakes and against competition, the best competition that you had never seen before? How were you able to do that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird. I feel like when you actually get up to the big leagues, it's so, I guess you have to be so locked in just because everybody else is too, but it's, it's also a little bit easier to be locked in because you're in, you know, your big league stadiums, you're playing for a big league team. All of a sudden you're in the playoffs. Like it's just kind of uh, everybody's there to compete and win. And, you know, to do that, you have to be as locked in as possible. And it makes it a lot easier to do that when uh, everybody around you is wanting the same goal as you too. Evan Carter is joining us. I mean, dude, you're calm. You are really calm. I want to get back to that in a minute. But the one thing that blows me away is your poise. Your manager, Bruce Bochy, had a great line earlier in the postseason when he said, and I quote, this guy has such a calmness about him, I don't even know if he knows that he's in the big leagues. End of quote. I mean, Evan, like, you do know you're in the bigs, right? Just confirming. Just confirming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, dude, this calmness, like, I'm curious. have you always been this way? Are you kind of wired like that? Or at least in part, did you learn this? Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. Um, I would say that that's just kind of how I play baseball. I'm not really the type of person that has to get fired up and amped up to start a game. You know, the more the more I think, the more I am uh, tense, I guess, the worse that I play. So I try and stay as calm as possible. Um, and that's that's how I perform the best. So let me ask you one more thing about that. Your second baseman, Marcus Simeon, a pro's pro, said, quote, your swing and your baseball skills, they're beyond his years, end of quote. So if you're beyond your years, how much of that is innate God-given talent? And then how much of that is just sweat, equity, and grind? Yeah, you know, I think, obviously, I'm thankful for God to even give me the opportunity to be here in the first place Um, and just to give you the ability to play baseball. And then, you know, I guess the other part of that would be always being around a lot of really quality older guys that have helped point me in the right direction. Um, just playing with older people, you kind of, I guess, mature up to their age and just how they're acting. You know, a lot of college guys in the minor leagues and then now you're in the big leagues. And, you know, I'm playing with people that are 15, 18, you know, years older than me. You kind of have to, uh, you know, grow up a little bit, I guess. <laughs> What's that like, dude? For instance, you look around that clubhouse and you've got guys who are 10, 15 years older than you and they're living a different life. Like they've got their families, they've got their kids, they've been in this thing for so long. What's it like to share a clubhouse with guys like that? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's different for sure. I mean, I've never experienced that before. I think I think Max is literally 18 years older than me. Um, but I mean, it's just one of those things that it's, it's valuable in its own way. You know, they've experienced so much already and you get to learn from that. Um, you get to be around their kids too, which is really fun. Um, 
but it's just it's a different experience but it's always you know it's it's a great one nonetheless Evan Carter joining us. I think your mindset's so different. That's why I keep going back to it. Like, what went through your mind when you got that call up? And was there any part of you that thought, hey, man, I'm going to play in a World Series this year? Yeah, I mean, that was that's definitely the goal of every minor leaguer. When you get called up, it's like, all right, like, I'm here to help the team win. I want to prove that I can help the team win. Um, and that's the end goal of every ball player. The You know, you want to win the last game of the year. You don't want to lose. Um, so that's definitely on your mind. You know, hey, this is this is where I want to be at and I want to win. And that's just kind of, you know, we, we got fortunate enough and lucky enough to be able to do that. Evan Carter joining me for a few more moments. He's getting ready for that championship parade. So let me ask you, you played a major role in that clinching game five, not only in coming up with that second hit off Zach Gallon, but you also had a great play defensively where you robbed Devin Longoria of a hit with a runner in scoring position. I ran down your gaudy offensive stats, but how much pride do you take in being able to impact a game with your glove as well? Yeah, you know, I've always kind of obviously in the minor leagues and stuff with my manager that I had, he he really put an emphasis on defense and I I have two coming up through the minor leagues and I've just always been under the impression of whenever I'm struggling at the plate that day, I'm going to make sure that somebody else does too and take a hit away from them. So <laughs> that's just kind of, it's always been something that I've taken pride in a lot. I like it. It's really quickly before I let you go, Corey Seager broke up the no-hitter himself en route to becoming a World Series MVP for the second time in his career. I mean, this was a complete team effort by the Rangers, but how often was Corey able to change the momentum and get everybody else going with his clutch hitting? Yeah, I mean, you saw it so many times this postseason. You know, what a better person. Um, I mean, it, it couldn't have been anybody else other than him. I mean, that was just the right person at the right time. You know, big-time players like himself come up big-time spots like that and get the job done no matter what. And uh, I can't say I'm surprised at all that he was the person that broke it up and got us going. Um, and hitting's contagious. Right after that, you know, we started stringing some stuff together. So he was definitely the catalyst for that. So, Evan, let me finally ask you, your manager, Bruce Bochy, you helped him to his fourth World Series championship. What did you know about Boch before you joined the big club? And then what was your biggest takeaway from playing for him for the last two months? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I knew before getting there was just his resume is just unbelievable. He's one of the best managers ever. He knows how to win. Um, and then whenever you get there, you just you understand you understand why he's one of the uh, best managers ever. You know, you get to see how he runs the team, how the relationships that he builds with players. Um, and it's just, you know, you get there and it's like, all right, like I can understand how you've won, you know, three World Series now, you know, four, and it's just, it's unbelievable. Hey, and one last thing, I want to shout out your hometown. You're from Elizabeth 10, Tennessee, population 13,000. How many people back home have you heard from in the last few days? I mean, all of them? Yeah, basically it seems like, I mean, everybody's, it's unbelievable the amount of support I have back home. It's, it's really cool. All right, so you got a big day coming up. You've got your championship. You've got your championship parade. Evan, I really appreciate you making time for this program on a day like this. Congratulations. Great to talk to you, and I hope we can do it again soon. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, dude, very much. Really impressed. Just 21. The call from Double A Ball and had one of the greatest postseasons that a rookie has ever had. And tremendous composure, great skill. My thanks to Evan Carter. He's got to get ready for the parade right now. And that's how you do it. That's how you start things off. Again, normally we do not have an interview. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio.
What did I tell you? Different dude. Evan Carter is 21. 21. Friday, also an ATP day. Ask the Pros brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. What you want to do is go to cbssportsradio.com slash ask the pros. Ask me a question. I will answer one or more of them later on. And in the meantime, think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. Get the parts and service you need fast. From the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. So, clones, you know certain things jump the day? Certain things jump the day? Certain things are that important or that critical or that entertaining or that fascinating to you? And those things jump the day, meaning we could talk about it one day and that the next day is still important. This is not one of those things. We didn't talk about it yesterday. I'm not going to dignify what it is I'm talking about because you already know what I'm talking about. Just know this. If we didn't talk about it yesterday, we're not talking about it today. So nothing is jumping the day. Not that. You know what I'm talking about. Stop doing it. Stop sending it to me. Stop thinking that the only reason I'm not talking about it is I'm not seeing it. I see everything. It did not jump the day. And don't tell me why it didn't jump the day. It didn't jump the day not because of what you think. It didn't jump the day because I'm not allowing it to jump the day. And it can't jump the day when it never existed in the first place. Damn, Rome, what are you talking about? You're talking in code. No, I'm not. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll leave it at that. All right, let's talk some NBA. I've got Ryan Blaney, NASCAR driver, coming up at the top of the hour. And we're going to break down five games in the NFL. James Kelly and I at the top of hour number three. Meantime, I want to talk about James Harden for a minute. Like, this guy's never going to vie for another NBA MVP. But let me give James Larden this much. He definitely is still a strong contender for MVP of team content. Hell, after his last few months, he actually has to be the front runner right now for MVP of team content. This dude is basically a one-man traveling circus, and it can be hard to even keep up with this guy's act. Like, one second, it's all good. One second, he's happy. The next, he wants a trade. Then he's in full-blown toxicity mode. Then all of a sudden, he's running around in a fat suit. Then he's in China, eviscerating the one dude who has always had his back. Then he finds himself on a brand new team, and then the cycle starts all over again. I mean, in a way, you could call it a system. And in that sense, the system works really well, which is why I'm going to be one of the few who's not piling on this dude for what he said yesterday, like everybody else seems to be. In fact, almost everybody else is piling on this guy today. Normally, especially in recent years, I've found the guy to be pretty insufferable. But for once, I think this dude was just spitting truth. For once, I totally agree with Larden. I'm on the same side. Yes, the audio that I'm about to play might be some of the baggiest sound that you've ever heard from an athlete. Some of the most out-of-touch, detached from reality, self-important drivel ever spit into a microphone. I get how what I'm about to play might come off like that to you. But me personally, I think what he told the LA media at his official Clippers intro yesterday, was dead on. Dead on. 
Well, not the part where he says that he was on a, quote, leash in Philly. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not with him on that. I don't agree with that. But where I am going to ride with this guy is his explanation for what he meant by saying that he was on a, quote, leash in Philly. Listen to this guy and listen with an open mind rather than rushing in to bury him because it actually makes sense. Um, I don't think... When I'm in a leash, I'm not in just shooting the basketball every time. I'm in like, I'm a, I'm a, like I think the game and I'm a creator on the court. You know what I mean? So if I got a, a, a voice to where I can, hey coach, I see this, you know, what you think about this? Then it's like, oh, okay. Like somebody that trusts me, that believes in me, that understands me, that I'm just not a, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a system player. I am a system. You know what I mean? There it is. Boom. The money right at the very end. I am not a system player. I'm a system. I'm not a system player. I am a system. I don't fish on a boat, James. I fish on a boat. I am not a system player. I am a system. Hey, listen. He's right. He's right. I don't understand why people are so up in their feelings and so bent about that quote. First of all, he definitely is not a system player. I mean, how do I know? He's made sure to never fit in any system he's ever been in. He's made it totally clear over his career that he is not a system player. What's so polarizing about that? That's not even remotely controversial. He's not. He also made it really clear that he is a system all onto himself. And that's why people are so bent this morning. By the way, I agree. He is a system all onto himself. And it's an incredibly effective system. You want proof? I can even show you the system. I can tell you what his system is. I know exactly what he's talking about. I can tell you what the system is, even if he won't. The hardened system involves joining a team, making demands, and if he doesn't get exactly what he wants, he gets fat. Fat. Then he gets toxic. And then he shuts it down until he either gets what he wants or he gets to go to his new handpicked team. And then he repeats the process, or should I say system. He specifically did not want to be a part of the process because remember, he's not a system player. He is a system, period. So he can't be a part of any process, period. Speaking of the process, you knew they were going to run that quote right back to Joel Embiid. And here is the reigning MVP's response to this notion that Larden was on a, quote, leash last season. We allowed him to just be himself, and we gave him the ball every single possession. And because he, uh, he's really good. I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing you know, player. Um, you know, obviously, being up down, you know, that great of a passer, I think we just we gave him the ball. You know, if you watch the game, we gave him the ball every single possession to just go on and, you know, do his thing. All right, so one of those guys is not telling the truth. It can't be both. Either he's on a leash or we gave him the ball every single possession. Pretty hilarious. Hilarious that Larden thinks that he was on a leash. Meanwhile, the MVP of the entire league says, we gave him the ball every single possession. I mean, in effect, we let this guy do pretty much whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. But he feels like he was on a leash. 
I mean, I guess it wasn't enough. I guess getting the ball every single possession was not enough. How about getting it two times every single possession? How about nobody else is even allowed to touch the damn ball? How about that? You can just tell in that quote how impossible Lard is to please. Joel sounds like he just spent the last year negotiating with a four-year-old. Of course, the reality is, Larden actually had the second most time on the ball in the NBA last season, trailing only Luka. And no, I don't care that Luka's on the second floor. Stop it. Larden's reaction to the whole thing would be like, yeah, right. My name is Luka. Thank you, Alvin. Right, right. That's my point, Rome. This is the point that I'm trying to make. Yes, I was. Yes, I had the second most time on the ball in the NBA. Exactly. That's my whole entire problem. Way to make my argument for me, Rome. How the hell does anybody, Luca or otherwise, get any more time on the ball than me? I'm not a part of a system. I am the system. This is why I have to get out of Philadelphia. There's another guy playing in the league who's on the ball more than me. Well, that and Daryl Morey's a liar. I went out for that, too. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Right, dude, we heard you the first time. He will never be a part of an organization that Morey is a part of ever again. And, And he will never be a part of a system. Never has been, never will be. He is a system. So now that the Clippers get the system, they should be warned. Bringing in the system has never worked really for any team. The system has never found its way to a Larry O. The system is incredibly effective. Don't get me wrong. It always works for him. It just doesn't really work well when it comes to actually winning games that matter. When it comes to abandoning teams and getting exactly what he wants, the system is essentially undefeated. But when it comes to NBA championships, or hell, even playoff series, the system is almost useless. So good luck with that, Clippers. I'm sure you'll probably be the first team that can actually keep this dude happy and actually keep that fat system or that fat suit off of him and in his closet. Just know this. He's got a fat suit, and he's not afraid to rock it. And remember this, too. He is not a system player, okay? He's a system. I'm not a system player. I am a system. You know what I mean? The thing about that is, when he said that he was a system, I think maybe what he meant was, I am a digestive system. Like, that's what he does. You are what you eat, and there's no denying the fact that he's doing a hell of a lot, a hell of, a lot of that. Hey, wherever you go, James, OKC, Houston, Brooklyn, Philly, now L.A., my man, just keep doing you. Keep running that system. Keep digesting. I am a system. I'm on this guy's side. He is a system. We've seen that system, and we'll see it again. I am a system. You know why? It always works for him. Hey, man, I got to be on the ball. I, I, I need to touch the ball. I need the ball to rotate back to me. Being on the ball second most in the NBA is not going to work for me. This is why I need to be out. Thank you, Rome. You made my argument for me. How the hell is there anybody who gets the ball more than me? So I agree with him. He's not a part of a system. 
and he is a system. System being, you system. give him exactly what he wants, or he'll get fat and force his way out. Fat. You give this guy what he wants, the touches, the shots, the time on the ball, or he's going into that closet, and he's going to drop into that fat suit fat. and make everybody miserable. That's the system. That's his system. And add that to a list of undefeateds. Sex, father time, the James Harden system. I am a system. Yes, you are, dude. Yes, you are. It's you and me against the world, brah. Everybody's mad at you today except me. I agree. Jesse and Erie apparently is on our side. Hey, Jim, I also agree that James Harden is his own system. He's a solar system. Amber in Portland wants in. Amber writes, Romy, the only system James Lard needs to be a part of is Nutra system. Hashtag fat. Fat. Damn, Amber. War lady clones. War Amber. See you in the smack off, Amber. You're already locked in for smack off number 30. Nutra system. Hashtag fat. All right, I'm going to change you up on you on this Friday. When we come back, we talk NASCAR. It's championship weekend for NASCAR. One of the final four. Ryan Blaney joins me. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Big head bets. Top of hour number three.